0: Well, to say that Jesus' words here is quite relevant to our world today, I would say is quite the understatement. Uh, Today we live in the West in general. Uh, Materially speaking, uh, we in the Western world have never had it better. Uh, The average person tends to have more wealth and prosperity uh, when compared to other parts of the world and also compared to uh, prior human history. Modern-day technological and medical advancements are staggering. Human achievement has allowed the curing of, at least the treatment of, many forms of illnesses and diseases. Life expectancy is up. We have large houses to live in and much, much more. And yet, you and I live in an incredibly anxious world. According to Beyond Blue, anxiety-related conditions affect one in four people. Whatever you make of those stats, it's quite staggering. During COVID, it was often noted of the high levels of anxiety and depression that many people felt. It's not all that much of a stretch to claim that in general, as a society, we are an anxious and worry-filled people. And the Christian is not at all immune to the same feelings, even at times feeling overcome by anxiety, fear and worry. I wonder if, if you look back over your own life, you can think of a time that that was especially true for you. Perhaps it even describes exactly the way you feel this morning as you walked in those back doors of our church building. On the one hand, on a surface level, it seems like a bit of an oxymoron to say that there's an anxious Christian. We have the best news in the world. We have Jesus. yet as you dig down, it is true of us that we are an anxious bunch as well. To the worry-filled heart, Jesus' words, Do not be anxious, could appear insensitive at best, and downright absurd at worst. God, how can I not be anxious at the the moment? Do you even see what I'm going through? Our passage today is really a continuation of the sermon last week. Uh, Jesus, last week, as we saw, he told his disciples to put God first, for God to be the first priority in life. It is no wonder then that now Jesus moves on to talk about anxious feelings and faith. Back in the day when Jesus spoke these words, he spoke originally to a much poorer audience than our audience today. And surely what Jesus had just said would have sparked concern. If the disciple of Jesus is called to be generous and to focus most on kingdom priorities, rather than being consumed with material well-being, where will that leave us? Will we be hungry and left? without physical provision to the uh, to the worry and anxious prone soul today's passage comes as a healing balm and it does so Jesus does so today through encouraging us with three great truths that Jesus wants us to know and cling to in faith to help ward off and fight anxiety truths that directly combat the lies of the devil Against us. And so, for the anxious, ridden heart, the first truth that you and I are to cling on is this Christian, do not be anxious, for God is providentially in control of all of life's circumstances. Such a truth directly opposes the lie of the devil that you are the one who is meant to be in total control. And in charge of your life. For the non-Christian, there is significant hurdles to get past in order to believe such a truth. With rising atheistic thought and secularism in the West, the whole way in which uh, our present world tends to view life is quite different to the biblical perspective. Uh, For the the non-religious, where the very existence of God is either considered disproven or at least questionable or maybe even quite probable, but not all that much of a guarantee, to make the statement then that God is control is quite difficult to swallow. Instead, our modern Westerner, you could say, tends to go down the path of self-determination, where our life, our morals, right and wrong, or our general life direction tends to be up to the individual. They get to determine how they want to live. They are the ones who are in the driver's seat. They are in control. Or what happens when life goes pear-shaped? When things happen that are outside of your control? Or things that are in your control don't kind of turn out the way that you hoped they would? What happens when you make a complete mess of things and you know it was you who caused it? When life's trouble comes your way, without a God in heaven to call upon, life can quickly begin to look pretty bleak. Over against that world view, as we come to the scriptures, the Bible gives us quite a different view to this secularistic and atheistic thought. Instead of pure randomness, life is not an accident, nor are the events of each of our lives every day that we live. Uh, one example of this that I came across recently was in 1 Kings chapter 12. Now I don't have time to give the full context to that, what's going on there. But in short, it speaks of uh, many years before Jesus was born, a time when ancient Israel first became a divided kingdom: Israel to the north, Judah to the, to the south, after the king uh, King Solomon died, with ten, ten tribes. Uh, went to Jeroboam instead of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. All because Rehoboam was foolish and harsh, it did not listen to good advice. And verse 15 in chapter 12 there uh, tells us why this was. Why did this happen? Was it pure chance and circumstances? No, it says from verse 15 there, So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord. That he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Likewise, in our passage today in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single Hour to his span of life. Regarding the birds here, Jesus' point that he's making is not that birds simply sit around and kind of wait for God to feed them. <laughs> if you go to the park and you watch the birds, I think you'll agree with me that they're pretty industrial, industrious little creatures. They're able to pick a bug or worm in the grass in a way that I just find staggering. I look down and I just see grass. And somehow they can just find things to eat uh, in the ground. But what Jesus is saying is that God in his providence is at work in his creation. Sovereignly acting out his purposes. Seeing to it that his unchanging purposes would prevail. In other words, nothing is ever by chance but God is governing according to his will. Jesus then calls his people to exercise faith and to look up, to look outside of your circumstances that is so consuming, to see the world around, to see and perceive with eyes of faith that there is a Lord over all creation who is totally in charge, where nothing is outside of his governing hand that there is a God in heaven who has the power to save us from the day of trouble, whatever trouble that may be. Or if, in temporal ways, trouble does overcome us, even unto death, God has sovereignly purposed that to be so too. Job, in verse uh, chapter 14, verse 5, speaks of, this reality when he says since his days are determined and his, the number of his months is with you and you have, you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. The Christian then is called to act in faith with this truth in mind that God is in control, not ultimately us. Yes, he gives us human responsibility to look out and to uh, enact in our lives. But as we face the complexities complexities of life, especially the days of trouble, the Christian is called to active and prayerful surrender, developing a heart posture that readily surrenders each situation to God. So that's the first truth that Jesus is teaching us here. God is providentially at work in the world. He is uh, our sovereign king on high. The second truth that Jesus calls you and I to believe in is this. Christian, do not be anxious. God really loves and cares for you. Not only is God in control of the universe, but he is in the business of saving his people and pouring out His love upon us. This truth directly fights Satan's lie that God doesn't care for you when life turns into the black abyss. Are you not of more value than the birds, says Jesus? Do you not know that God really does care and provides for his people? Even the sinner who has presently failed to repent enjoys temporal benefits of God's goodness towards them while they still roam this earth. Jesus had just said back in chapter 5 about the Father, how the Father makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In our present world, to truly believe that God has a special care and affection for human beings in creation requires great faith. We live in an era of science where shoddy theories of evolution seem to rule the day and where many fail to see the uniqueness of human beings. This is interesting to contemplate for on the one hand, uh, we live in a society that is self-centered and self-focused really in many ways where life tends to be all about me. And yet on the other hand, there are certain aspects to our society's thinking, uh, when it, particularly when it comes to the animal world, that tends to view animals just as high as human beings, if not higher. Pretty sure there would have been a few free-range chickens which had more square metres and grass to roam on during some of the COVID lockdowns than people. But Jesus is saying, he says, just outright, you're more valuable. This is actually kind of staggering when you think about it. Right now, under our feet, if you dig down in the Earth's crust and mantle, uh, there is amazing bacteria, worms and orga- organisms that can withstand hotter temperatures. You can find exotic minerals and diamonds, and there's that ridiculously hot magma that occasionally spews out of a volcano. It's an amazing world down there. If you look up, beyond this, well, let's be honest, Oh, that's a pretty nice-looking church roof, but beyond it into space, we have the wonders of the universe out there. Stars, black holes, galaxies and the like. A wonderful universe that just goes on and on. But God says that it's this particular plane of His existence where you and I are standing and sitting. That out of all around us, he is particularly concerned with. Not because of the animals and the birds around us. God has made them for his glory as well. He cares for them. But he takes special interest in people. The pinnacle of his creation, according to the creation account. For it is people who are made in the image of God, reflecting something of God in this world. In our modern day world, to truly believe that not only that God exists, but he deeply cares for his people, requires an act of faith. It's not an unreasonable faith, but it is faith. Jesus makes a similar point about the grass of the field. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, fire, into the oven, will it not much more clothe you? Are you of little faith? In ancient times, the grass and shrubs would have been fuel for the home oven, for cooking. Grasses that could look so beautiful when flowers were blossoming. Uh, Where I grew up in northern Victoria, I remember seeing uh, in its season huge fields full of yellow canola flowers. It was just beautiful when they were blossoming. It's an interesting point that Jesus is making here. Uh, As reformed-minded Christians, uh, we tend to have a high view of Scripture, which is a really good thing. And we see, uh, see it as the sole place of Christian assurance and comfort. And that is indeed largely true. Without God's Word and the centrality of the Word, there is no Christian hope. And yet Jesus is saying here, look out at creation. Look at, how, look at the world which continues to tick over. Look at how beautifully God has made the mountains, the rivers, the land, and all that is around us. Christian, that itself should be of help to you in facing anxiety. If God made and cared for that, he certainly cares for you. But these verses can come at us as a test also of genuine faith. Uh, Today's world is also consumed with uh, what might happen in the future in our world. If you believe the Extinction Rebellion group who staged a roadblock on Westgate Bridge just this past few days, uh, they think that we are headed for global catastrophe with climate change, the possibility of mass extinctions. Animals and plant life are dying off, rising sea levels. The slogan on the website is, the science is clear, our future is not. Now, creation care is a sermon in and of itself, and perhaps I'll come back to it one day. And I too have, you know, con- legit, like we have concerns for uh, the well-being of our world around us. I think of, again, in country Victoria, introduced spe- species like foxes and rabbits and uh, the European carp and our waterways, and the damage that that legitimately causes. but however you view some of those big pictures, uh, big picture things, uh, in a broad sense, what Jesus is saying here casts a bit of a net over them. As we look out into the state of our world and uh, where it may or may not go, does that bring you great fear and anxiety of the future? Or do you look out into the world in faith and actually simply see that it continues to exist at all, despite the existence of sin? Do you see a supremely holy and merciful God who instead of already just wiping everything out and plunging all of creation and all of us into the fires of hell, which he was within his right to do, has instead withheld his hand? And as a Christian, do you see a future life beyond this life, which God will one day uh, and also make a new heaven and new earth? In that broad sense, what Jesus is saying comes at us as a genuine test of faith. How we view the world around us matters, whether it causes us to utter despair or to hope in the providentially acting God. The Christian then is called to keep eternal matters in view, whatever temporal troubles we may face or may not face. In our moments of anxiety and trouble, of bearing the weight of some, some worldly concern, the devil's, uh, devil lies to us that God does not care. Christian, will you exercise faith and believe that God is for you and not against you? The third truth that Jesus wants to teach us this morning is this. Christian, do not be anxious. Following God first in all things really is the best thing for you. This opposes the lie of the devil that a worldly life is what will make you happy and anxiety free. Therefore, says Jesus, do not be anxious, saying, what what will we eat or what shall we drink or what we shall wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus doesn't beat around the bush here. He challenges us here where it hurts. He pushes our buttons, saying to us, Christian, where does your comfort really lie? What at heart is behind your anxiety? Where are you trying to find solace in this world rather than finding solace in me? Jesus isn't being insensitive to felt needs here. Even with the wealth of our society that it enjoys, comparatively speaking, there are you know, lots of legitimate reasons to feel anxious. Many are legitimately feeling a pinch of the rising cost of living pressures, for example, at the moment. Everything really is getting more expensive. Sometimes you and I can face incredibly stressful situations. Jesus is not ignoring that. But he's asking you and I, where does your heart lie? Where do you really derive your peace from? Come and follow me. Put me first in all things. Prioritize doing the right thing in all situations. Walk the tough road of self-sacrifice. Give up yourself for others. Pray for that God's kingdom would come for his will to be done. Seek his righteousness in the world around. And, that, that is, um, and that, that's the life, paradoxically, that will be less prone to anxiety. For you will have peace in me, says Jesus, knowing that you are doing the will of your Father in heaven who cares for you. And so, Christian, I ask you this morning, what earthly concern is robbing you of your peace? What earthly concern do you need to hold loosely before God to place into his hands to experience that peace from anxiety that comes from God alone and a life that's lived wholeheartedly for him. The world and the devil constantly presses in around us, baiting us to become anxious and concerned with the many worries and concerns that the world throws at us. As legitimate as those concerns are and can be, the Christian is called to God's kingdom and his righteousness first. First things first, as the saying goes. Well, but where can you and I get the strength to live a life like this with such faith? While well, ultimately God calls us to believe in Jesus and the glory of the cross where our fears and worries and anxieties can fade away as we look to the one who faced the consequences of our sin on our behalf. On the cross, we see God's providence and fatherly love displayed and declared to the world. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus predicted time and time again that he was going to die he knew that it was god's providential plan for his earthly life but instead of rejecting god's calling on his life he remained obedient to his father and could still pray my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless as i not not as i will but as you will and as jesus sweated blood and headed to that dreadful cross jesus face God's displeasure for sin by becoming sin in our place, experiencing what it was like to be cut off from God and his goodness, experiencing God's wrath against sin so that you and I wouldn't. And so God calls all to believe in Jesus, to have this hope that he brings of eternal life guaranteed through the cross. As it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so do you believe in Jesus yourself? Is he your only hope in life and in death? Hope and peace that every Christian too can experience in this present life. As God sends forth his Holy Spirit to comfort and guide his people, gifting Christians with help in present help, uh, tr- in present troubles and anxieties, enabling us to live out the calling that we have to live under God's rule. Christian, are you worried and anxious in some way this morning? What untruths are you struggling with to deal with? What unbelief do you need to deal with? What lies of Satan do you need to dispel with God's truth? Believe in God's providence over the circumstances of your life. Believe in the providential cross of Christ brought about by God for our salvation. Believe in God's fatherly care secured for you by Jesus. That God is always for you and nothing can ever take that away from you. And believe in God's given calling for your life. That a life lived with God at its center is truly what is best for you. That you don't need to worry about for tomorrow or even the worries of today. For God is king over today and tomorrow. And has secured an eternal future for all who believe in him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that you spoke these just wonderful, precious words for the church. Father, you command us to not be anxious. And you don't leave that command without good reasons for us not to be anxious. For God, you are Lord of life and you are our heavenly Father who cares for us and has called us to live for you. Father, help us through your spirit at work in us to unshackle ourselves from being weighed down with worldly concerns and help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of our salvation. Father, we thank you that you so often deliver us from the troubles of this life. that time and time again, each of us can testify to ways that you've worked in our own lives to date. And we hear stories of how you've worked to deliver people around us in so many ways. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who is in the business of delivering his, your people. But Father, as we look beyond the troubles of this life, as we experience and face things that you don't deliver us from in this life, we thank you that in the end you've given us a hope of eternal life, a life to come where all troubles will be done away with and all of sin and all of the consequences of it. Father, help us to be a people of hope and as we head into the Christmas season for that to be true of us, to be people who are joyous of our salvation in you, Help us to cling on to that first and foremost and to live a dedicated life for you. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.